Chapter 32 of Monica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Don Sutton. Monica by Evelyn Everett Green. The Last. Monica, I could not tell you last night. It was all so sudden, so wonderful. But I think you know, without any words of mine, how glad, how thankful I am. It was Haddon who spoke, spoke with a glad, frank, joyous sincerity that beamed in his eye and sounded in every tone of his voice. Monica gave him both her hands looking up into his face with her sweetest smile. I know, Haddon, I know. I am sure of it. Is he not almost a brother to you? And are you not the best of brothers to me? At least I will try to be, he answered gladly. I cannot tell you how happy this has made me. She was glad, too. Glad to see him so happy, so heart-whole. He had loved her with the loyal love of a devoted, chivalrous knight. Had loved her for her sorrow and her loneliness. But she was comforted now, and he was able to rejoice with her. It was all very good, just as she would have it. Ah, what a day of joy and thanksgiving it was! How Monica's heart beat as she knelt by her husband's side that glad Christmas morning in the little cliff church, when, in the pause just before the general thanksgiving, the gray-headed clergyman, with a little quiver in his voice, announced that Randolph Trevlin desired to return, thanks to Almighty God for preservation from great perils and for restoration to his home. Her voice faltered in the familiar words, and many suppressed sobs were heard in the little building, but they were sobs of joy and gratitude, and tears of healing and of happiness stole down Monica's cheeks. It was like some beautiful dream, and yet too sweet not to be true. In the afternoon, Monica and Randolph went out alone together, first into the whispering pine woods, and then out upon the breezy cliff, hard beneath their feet with the winter's frost. He let her lead him whither she would. He had no thought to spare for aught beside herself. They were together once again. What more could they need? But Monica had an object in view. And as they walked, engrossed in each other, in sweet communion of soul and interchange of thought, or the almost sweeter silence of perfect peace and tranquility, she led him once more towards the little cliff church, though only when she was unlatching the gate to enter the quiet graveyard did he arouse to the sense of their surroundings. Why, Monica, he said, why have you brought me here? We are too late for service. I know, she answered, but come, 
I want to show you something. Her face wore an expression he did not understand. He followed her in silence to a secluded corner, where beneath a dark yew tree stood a green mound, at the head of which a wooden cross had been temporarily erected. Randolph read the letters it bore, C.F., followed by a date, and beneath, the simple, familiar words, Requiescat in pace. Strange, perhaps, that Monica should have cared for this lonely grave, in which was laid to rest one who had, as she believed, robbed her life of all its brightness and joy. Strange that she, in the absence of friend or kinsman, should have charged herself with keeping it, and of erecting there some monument to mark who lay there low. Strange, yet so it was. Her husband looked at her questioningly. Conrad's grave? Yes, she answered quietly. Randolph, look at the date. He did so and started a little. He died at dawn that day, Randolph. You know what was happening then at the other side of the world? There was a strange look of awe upon her face as she spoke, which was reflected in his also. She came and stood close beside him. Randolph, do you know that he was there that night? That he tried to kill you? He had taken off his hat as he stood beside the grave with the instinctive reverence for the dead, even though it be a dead foe, characteristic of a noble mind. Now he passed his hand across his brow and through his thick, dark hair. I thought that was a delusion of fever, a sort of hideous vision founded on no reality. Monica, was it so? It was. How do you know? I had it from his own lips. He gazed at her without speaking. Something in her face awed and silenced him. Randolph, listen, she said. I must tell you all. Six weeks ago, the evening before that day, he was brought, shattered and dying, to Travelin. He had fallen from the cliffs. No skill could serve to prolong his life. I knew nothing then. He was profoundly unconscious. Yet as the night wore away, some strange intuition came upon me that he wanted me, that he was beseeching me to come to him. I went. He was still unconscious. I sent Wilberforce away and watched him by myself. Randolph, at dawn he awoke to consciousness. He told me all his awful tale. He said he had murdered you. I believed it was true. He was dying, dying in darkness and in dread, and he prayed for my forgiveness as if his salvation hung upon it. Randolph, Randolph, how can I tell you? I cannot. No, I, I cannot. No one could understand. For a moment she pressed her hand upon her eyes, looking up again in a few seconds with a calm glance 
that was like a smile. He was dying, Randolph, and I forgave him. I forgave him freely and fully, and he died in peace. Stop, that is not all. Randolph, as I knelt beside his bed, praying for the sin-stained spirit, then taking its flight, I felt that you were with me. I had never before felt the strange overshadowing presence that I did then. You were there, your own self. I heard your voice far away, yet absolutely clear, like a call from some distant snow-clad mountaintop infinitely far. Monica, Monica, my wife. I think Conrad heard it too, for he died with a smile on his lips. Randolph, I am sure that you were with me in that strange, awful hour. I knew it then. I know it better now. Randolph, I think that love is stronger than all else. Time, space, death itself. Nothing touched our love. I think it is like eternity. A deep look of awe had stamped itself upon Randolph's face. He put his arm around Monica, and for a very long while they stood thus, neither attempting to speak or to move. At last he woke from his reverie and looked down at her with a strange light shining in his eyes. And you forgave him, Monica? She looked up and met his gaze unfalteringly. I forgave him, Randolph. Was I wrong? He stooped and kissed her. My wife, I thank God that you did forgive him. His life was full of sin and sorrow, but at least its end was peace. May God pardon him as you did, as I do. There was a strange, sweet smile in her eyes as she lifted them to his. Ah, Randolph, she said softly. I knew you would understand. Oh, my husband, my husband. He held her in his arms, and she looked up at him with a sweet, tender smile. Then her eyes wandered dreamily out over the wide sea beneath them. There is nothing sad there now, Randolph. It will never separate us again. He looked down at her with a world of love in his eyes. Yet as they turned away, his glance rested for one moment upon the lonely grave he had been brought to see, and lifting his hat once more, he murmured beneath his breath, Requiescat in pace. Then, drawing his wife's hand within his arm, he led her homewards to Treblin, whilst the sun set in a blaze of golden glory over the boundless shining sea. End of Monica by Evelyn Everett Green